following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's Durham, directions or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. So our reading today is taken from John chapter 3, reading from verse 1. And in my Bible it's headed, Jesus teaches Nicodemus. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if you were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God until he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it came, comes or where it is going. And so it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man, who came, uh, came from heaven, the Son of Man, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert. So the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. May I speak to the glory of God the Father in the name of God the Son and through the power of God the Holy Spirit. Amen. So as Peter has mentioned today, the church celebrates Trinity Sunday, a Sunday also known as the Sunday of Bad Analogies or Heresy Sunday, as preachers up and down the land <clears throat> seek to explain the nature of the Trinity through reference to water as liquid, ice or steam, or individuals who may simultaneously be mother, daughter and wife, or perhaps even analogies about hair products which simultaneously shape, hold and style. 
in a way that somehow relates to the triune nature of God. Well, my friends, let me assure you that today you will be spared any attempts by me to try and make analogies about the Trinity, which will not only save you from pitying me for my woeful imagination, but will also spare me from the possibility of committing various heresies, such as modalism and Arianism, in my attempts to draw enlightening analogies. And of course, one of the benefits of not committing a heresy in my preaching this morning is that there will be no need at the end of the service for outcry, stoning or burning at the stake. Although, to be fair, because we are the Church of England, our response to heresy is more likely to be a deep sigh, a disappointed tot, or a quiet, stern word over tea and cake. Now, as Peter has mentioned, over recent weeks, we as a church have been in the season of the Spirit. Our readings at our morning services have focused on the life of the early church found in the book of Acts. And in those weeks since Easter, our readings have focused largely on the Holy Spirit. In addition, we have marked those 10 days between Ascension and Pentecost by marking thy kingdom come, praying for the Holy Spirit to be at work in the lives of those we know and love. And then, of course, last Sunday, Pentecost, when David Day stood here and reminded us of the fulfilment of Jesus' promise to those first disciples in Acts chapter 1, when he instructed them, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, these sermons over the past weeks have been delivered under a title of New Beginnings to reflect the life of the early church. But our reading this morning from John chapter 3 also reflects that title in the exchange we read of between Jesus and Nicodemus, where Jesus speaks of the new beginning, being born again for all of those who would come to a new life in Christ. And that's a theme we're going to be continuing next Sunday as well, as we celebrate as Phoebe, Emily and Julia come here to be baptised next Sunday morning. Now that theme of new beginning, new life in the Spirit, is a constant in the first part of our reading that Jennifer read to us this morning. We see Jesus repeat this three times in his opening exchange with Nicodemus. In verse 3, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. In verse 5, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of spirit. Verse 7, you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Three times we hear this reiterated command, an invitation to new life and new beginnings. 
So this morning I want to focus on that invitation, both to us as individuals and to us corporately here as a church in three ways. The invitation to the new, the invitation to us who believe, and the invitation to us as a church. So first, the invitation to the new. The opening words of our passage, verses 1 and 2, tell us that Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. He comes to Jesus hidden. We do not know if this is because of what others may have thought of him and his concern about that, whether he is embarrassed or fearful. But one thing that we do know is this visit is clandestine. Nicodemus comes to find out more. He comes with questions. His greeting to Jesus reflects that he is aware of who Jesus is, knows something about him, but wants to know more. But coming to ask those questions in public, in front of others, doesn't seem to be an option open to him or one that he feels comfortable to take. Over the past 18 months as a church, we have offered digital services at NICS. Each weekday, we have offered opportunities for people to join in online in prayer. Twice each Sunday, we have either live-streamed our services or offered pre-recorded services in the evening for people to watch from their own homes. And let me take this opportunity once again to thank our tech team who have worked so hard to make all of that happen. Now, those services have enabled people to come to church who perhaps otherwise wouldn't have. To come to church with their questions about Jesus without embarrassment or fear that comes with crossing the threshold into a church building. Those of us who uh, have been Christians for a while can sometimes forget the difficulty of stepping into an environment where you don't know the rules of engagement. We can forget how the fear of an alien environment can be a barrier to a new beginning. Now, live streaming and digital services have not only enabled us to join together for worship during times of lockdown and restriction, but they have also lowered the threshold to entry into church and enabled those with questions to come not so much under the cover of night, but to come in a way that avoids fear and enables them to learn and explore more of who Jesus is. Last week in his sermon, David Day rightly encouraged us to embrace the opportunities that come with meeting together physically around bread and wine, in fellowship, around sacrament, around worship, that please God, soon we will be able to sing together. And indeed, tonight marks the first time that our evening service, the 6.30, has gathered together physically for over a year. But as we place our focus again on gathering together physically, 
How will we enable those who come like Nicodemus? How can we continue to use the opportunity that the pandemic forced upon us to provide those who come seeking to embark on a new beginning but are fearful of walking through the door? It's a question that we as a church will need to address in the coming weeks and months alongside other churches as we move out of restrictions, not simply to what was before, but into a new place, guided by the movement of God's Spirit. But my friends, this invitation for a new beginning is not only to those people who do not yet know Jesus. It's also for those of us who do know him, who have made that commitment, but who now need to be reborn by his Holy Spirit. So first, the invitation to the new. Second, the invitation to disciples. Uh, Earlier this week, on Monday, the Church of England celebrated in its calendar and gave thanks for the life of John Wesley. Uh, That day, the 24th of May, uh, recalled how on the 24th of May in 1738, John Wesley had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, which led to one of the greatest spiritual awakenings in this country for centuries. The reflection in the uh, Lectio 365 daily prayer app set the context of what happened to John Wesley like this. As a young man, John Wesley was a deeply committed Anglican priest. Unsure of God's love, he compulsively ranked and graded his spiritual performance in an attempt to gain God's favour. After a spell as a missionary to the American colonies ended in burnout and disgrace, he returned to England both exhausted and depressed. In his own words, John Wesley describes how on the evening of the 24th of May, he went, quote, very unwillingly, end quote, to church that night, to a Moravian worship meeting in Aldersgate Street in London, where he met with God in a way that transformed him. Wesley famously described his encounter with the Holy Spirit that night as feeling that his heart had been strangely warmed as he rediscovered a trust in Christ. He wrote, I discovered Christ alone for salvation and an assurance that Christ had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. This story of encountering the Holy Spirit not just as a new believer, but as someone who may have believed for years, is not exclusive to John Wesley. In his reflection on his time serving in this church, George Carey begins his book, The Church in the Marketplace, with this statement. In 1972, my spiritual life was in a mess, to put it mildly. The experience of Christianity 
had somehow disappeared from my life. The great truths of evangelism had lost their fire and their power to convince me, even though I was a tutor in a theological college. I knew that if God did not intervene soon, my whole Christian experience was finished. It was that desperate. My friends, does that seem familiar? Can you perhaps identify with the fire going out? With the exhaustion and burnout of Wesley? Have you or have we become ever like Nicodemus in his encounter with Jesus, unable to envision, believe or be open to the experience of being born again from above through the power of the Holy Spirit? George Carey goes on in his book to speak of finding himself on his knees one night at that time confessing how his busyness as a churchman had led to his self-centeredness that arose and a plea that he be saved from both and be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. He describes how through a prayer, through praying to God that he renew him, that he found a new beginning with God. Quote, Christ came again into my longing life and claimed me as his own. My friends, that invitation to be born again by the Spirit of God, to begin anew, is given to us daily. To open ourselves to the love of God, the salvation of Christ, and the renewing power of the Holy Spirit. It's an invitation as much for us who have known Christ, perhaps for decades, as it is for those who have known him only for days. Nicodemus comes to Jesus as Israel's teacher, as a member of the ruling council, as an Israelite of both learning and faith, yet Jesus tells him, for all his learning, for all his life of faith, it is nothing if he is not born again. It is not enough to give intellectual assent to these truths. He needed to be born again, as do we in the Spirit of God. And if you identify this morning, either here in church or at home, with those sentiments of John Wesley or George Carey, could I invite you this morning, here or at home, to pray for the Holy Spirit to come afresh into your life, to pray to be open, to be renewed, to be awoken to the power of God in his spirit. The Methodist preacher Kingsley Barrett puts it like this. This is a new beginning, a new birth, and it can take as many different forms as there are people. Therefore, even if you have been a Christian for a hundred years, 
Look out for a new birth, a birth into a new kind of service and witness that you have never known before. You must be born again is an instruction addressed to us all. There are always new aspects of the Christian life, of the Christian experience, areas of service to discover or to let God discover for you. So an invitation to the new, an invitation to disciples, and finally an invitation to the church. There's no way to come to this passage that Jennifer read to us uh, without considering the most famous of the verses within it, which are the closing verses, verses 16 and 17. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him shall not die but have eternal life. And verse 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The invitation to a new beginning is not only for us as individuals, whether as new disciples or mature ones. It's also an invitation for us as a body, as God's church in this place. And my friends, that invitation is a timely one for us as over these coming months, we discern together the shape of our mission and ministry as a church for a time such as this. At our recent annual church meeting, I suggested that as a church we find ourselves in a place like that of the nation of Israel and Mount Nesbo, on the verge of entering the promised land, having journeyed together through the desert of the pandemic and now on the verge of stepping into the promises of God. And the steps that we are about to take as a church will be a new beginning for us, shaped by the character of God and his love for the world. As we journey through the Gospel of John, we learn that when the word, the world, that phrase is used in the Gospel of John, it generally means not the world as a bright, pleasant, happy place, but rather that phrase the world is used as a synonym for a place that is in opposition to God. The kingdom of Jesus, we learn, is not of this world. And yet it is precisely this world that God loves. God made the world, it revolted and rebelled, and still he loves it. Loves it so much that he sends his only son, not to condemn it, but to save it, to redeem it, and to redeem all who claim the promises of Jesus. Our new beginning as a church finds its place in that recognition and truth, imitating God, imitating his Son, led by his Spirit to love and serve our neighbours, 
to build a kingdom not of this world, but to serve that world and to love those in it. We have the opportunity as a people called to serve God in this place, in this city, to live out his love to friend, to neighbour, to stranger, and through the power of the Holy Spirit to change the world. To love and serve the elderly and lonely. To love and serve those without work. To love and serve those enslaved to addiction. To love and serve the young people who pass our doors each day but do not know who Jesus is. To love and serve our city as people of the book, agents of grace, bringers of hope. To grow as a church, to multiply and to build God's kingdom here. So my friends, I am excited this morning. I am excited at the thought of what God is going to do with us. I am excited at the new beginning ahead for each of us as individuals and for us as a church and community. So my friends, let us be open to the leading of the Spirit. Let us be expectant together for all that is to come as we open up ourselves to the work of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you give to your faithful people new life. Guide and strengthen us by that same Spirit, that we who are born again may serve you in faith and love and grow into the full stature of your Son, Jesus Christ, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St Nick's Durham podcast. If you would like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.